Well, we're back again, and we've got more on the line that we're going to be talking about. We have some great podcasts that we've been going through, and uh, this last time we were together, we were talking about damn deceptions. Uh, have you been deceived? Uh, a lot of us have been deceived about a lot of different things, but this type of deception, um, as Dennis was talking about last time, it's more than just me, if I was the person that was deceiving you, it's more than just me stealing your money or stealing your car or, or putting some fraudulent papers together to where I could steal your home. This goes a lot deeper. This is literally robbing from you the opportunity to have a relationship with God and to be with Him. Now, people say, well, is there a God? Well, we're going through a whole lot of other things, but one of the things we looked at this last time, and does it matter, uh, does it make a difference what we believe? Well, we're going to look, take a look at today is, which contract is valid? Remember, Dennis was talking about contracts. He's talking about the Bible, and you've got the Book of Mormons. Uh, you've got that out there. You've got the Latter-day Saints, uh, Jehovah Witnesses. Which one is the right one? Um, I, I liken it, Dennis, to someone once said one time, uh, what is the best way to hide an elephant? And, and, and the best way to hide an elephant is in a herd of elephants. They all look alike. Um, how can you tell the difference? And so, uh, Dennis, it's great to have you here with us today, and we're going to be taking a look at uh, this issue that you're talking about. Thank you, Pastor Rex. We've been teaching about cults and what we've been calling damn deceptions. And again, these are deceptions that if you fall for them, it results in you being damned before God. You believe you've taken the necessary steps to secure forgiveness for your sins and eternity with God when in fact you've been deceived and you're following a counterfeit plan of salvation and you just don't know it. As a result, you're no longer listening or even considering the true plan of salvation when you see it. Now, we discussed that we're not talking about religions. This is not about what you believe. This is a legal system that God has created. And so it's a point of law. What you believe does not matter, only if you are in compliance with the law. To this end, God created a contract that he is offering to his creation as a way of avoiding the judgment for sin, conviction, and punishment for having broken his law. Now, in this contract, we're going to be looking at three legal documents. The first legal document is going to be the Bible, God's contract with his creation, the next is going to be the Book of Mormon, and this is going to include the Pearl of Great Price, Doctrines and Covenant, which offers an alternative contract by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The third is going to be the New World Translation. The document of Plan of Salvation was altered in this contract and is being offered through the Jehovah Witnesses. We're not going to discuss their beliefs or their teachings at this time. We're just going to examine the documents as they are. Would they hold up in a court of law? Would they be admissible? Since God is using a legal system to present his plan of salvation, we're going to use the legal system to examine the credibility of these organizations' documents. When you take a case to trial, all evidence falls into two categories. The evidence is admissible, meaning that you followed proper procedures in obtaining this evidence. And the next point is, are they credible?
Can you believe what the evidence is saying? In order for evidence to be accepted in a court of law, it must both be credible and admissible. So we're just going to be considering the credibility of the evidence in this podcast. The Bible claims to be the Word of God, or that this is God presenting Himself and His plan of salvation to the world. God made a very important statement in the Old Testament in the book of Malachi. I am the Lord, I change not. God reveals that He does not change. This will be our standard for testing the Bible. Watch out when a religious system tells you that God has changed His mind. Never going to happen. In the New Testament, we're going to be looking at another piece of information regarding God. We are told that it is impossible for God to lie. So let's use these two statements. God does not change. It's impossible for God to lie. Let's review what we covered in our previous podcast. Let's go to the earliest revelation of God and His plan of salvation. And we mentioned that this was in the book of Job. And it was probably written about 400 years before Moses was born. Looking at Job chapter 33, it says that God looks upon the hearts of men. And if any say, I have sinned and it did not profit me, God will redeem them from going to hell. Now, I have sinned is a confession of our sins. It did not profit me is a repentance of sin. The last step is that God will redeem us. We need to become part of God's plan to redeem us or his plan of salvation. Now again, the next revealing was 400 years later when God appeared to Moses and the children of Israel and he revealed his law to them. Now this law does not contradict the information given to us in Job. We also have between two to three million witnesses as to what God said that day to Moses. So this is going to be our testing of all additional revelations of God. Now, there's a collection of books that have been called the Forgotten Books of Eden. These are books from the Old Testament era that claim they were inspired by God, but the rabbis tested them using the original revelation, and they were found to be fiction, not facts, and they were discarded. When the New Testament was written, each book was tested against God's original revelation in the Old Testament and found to be true, and they were accepted. Well, along comes another collection called the Lost Books of the Bible, and they claim to be additional inspired books by God. Again, they were tested against the original revelation, they were proven false, and they were rejected. We have been dealing with deception all the way through the Bible era. But when it came time to translate the original manuscripts into English, there were 50 experts. They were chosen from Oxford, Cambridge, and Westminster Colleges. These were the best linguists of their day. They all worked on certain parts of the Bible. When they were done, each group sent two representatives to create a new committee. And that new committee reviewed the translations and made their corrections. And finally, it was turned over to the leaders of the church for final review before it was released. 
In addition to this, we now have what's called the Dead Sea Scrolls. And the Dead Sea Scrolls prove that we have the most accurate copies of the Old Testament possible and that nothing has changed. Now, the Book of Mormon claims it is the result of information that was recorded on golden plates given to Joseph Smith by an angel. Joseph Smith claims that he was the one to translate these books into the Book of Mormon. Now, no one helped him translate the golden plates. That's what the opening page of the Book of Mormon says, translated by Joseph Smith. To verify the authenticity of his claim, he submitted a document in which there were three witnesses who claimed that they saw the plate, they saw the engravings on the plate, they saw the Urim and Thummim that Joseph Smith used to translate the plates, and they claimed that they also saw the angel. Now, Dave Whitmer wrote an account of how the translation process worked, and in his description, it does not involve the golden plates at all, nor does it use the Urim or Thummim as claimed. He states that Joseph Smith put a seer stone in a hat, shoved his face in to block the light, and characters began to appear on parchment in the hat with the translation. This description is nothing like the process described by Joseph Smith in the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. Of these three witnesses, not one would confirm the statement found in the opening of the Book of Mormon. Martin Harris says they saw something covered with a cloth. Dave Whitmer said he saw the plates in their mind. And Oliver Cowdery said to his law partner that it was all a hoax. All three men left the Mormon church. To add to this, Joseph Smith denounced all three of them and said it would have been better if they had forgotten them. Joseph Smith then identified eight men, signed their names to a second statement that they not only saw the plates and the engravings, they actually handled them. Even though Smith had told Martin Harris that if he saw the plates, they would be struck dead. A listing of these eight men shows that five of them were related to Dave Whitmer, the one of the three of the original witnesses who was denounced by Joseph Smith. The other three of the eight are related directly to Joseph Smith, his father and brother. Of those related to Dave Whitmer, all left the church or their families were excommunicated from the church. In short, there are no unbiased witnesses to collaborate the statements of Joseph Smith. According to Joseph Smith, the angel took back the golden plates, took back the Urim and Thurim, and there is nothing to support his statement. There are no unbiased witnesses, no physical evidence available to support what Joseph Smith is claiming. Now, Joseph Smith also claimed that the golden plates had reformed Egyptian written on them. He says he sent copies of this reformed Egyptians to a gentleman named Charles Anton through Martin Harris, again, one of those three witnesses who was denounced by Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith claims that Charles Anton gave a glowing endorsement of his translations, but accordingly, when Anton found out it was involving a religion, he reversed himself, 
destroyed the endorsement and would have nothing else to do with it. Well, when Charles Anton read the statement, he wrote his own statement and claimed that this reformed Egyptian was a hoax. No one has seen or found any evidence or a sample of reformed Egyptian in any archaeological site throughout the Americas. Even though Joseph Smith claims that it was the ancient civilizations in America that used the reformed Egyptian alphabet and language. Outside of Latter-day Saint Church, no one even acknowledges the existence of a reformed Egyptian language or alphabet. Joseph Smith then claims to have translated the Book of Abraham from Egyptian papyri he bought from a traveling mummy exhibit. For Joseph Smith, the papyri was written in Abraham's own hand, and it repeats Genesis chapter 2 and 3, talking about the creation. But in his account, every time you find the word God, he replaced it with God's. Now, the original papyri was believed to have been destroyed in the Chicago fire, but they were discovered to be in a museum, and in 1966, these documents were given back to the Latter-day Church. Latter-day Church enlisted a gentleman by the name of D.J. Nelson. He was a member of their church in high standing. He was also an expert in Egyptology, and they asked him to go back and to translate these documents again. According to Nelson, the papyrus said nothing about Abraham or creation. They were a book of prayers buried with the dead. So for all of his work and his effort, the Latter-day Saint Church denounced Nelson, and he and his family left the church. There was an investigation just after the Mormon book was published by the publisher of the Painesville Telegraph newspaper. The investigation showed the Book of Mormon was a fictional book that was originally written by Solomon Spaulding. His manuscript, manuscript found, had been placed with a printer that was frequented by Sidney Rigdon, who was a friend of Joseph Smith. The manuscript disappeared, and after Spaulding's death, the Book of Mormon was published. Spaulding's family and friends testified that Spaulding's book was altered by Joseph Smith, and the Latter-day Saints have denounced this information but they have yet been unable to refute it. Now, for the New World Translation, they did not go back to the original manuscripts. There was a small committee whose names and identities were kept hidden so no one could test their credentials. They altered the King James Bible and rewrote portions of it to fit their theology. So, what do we have? We have God's original contract, the Bible, carefully tested against the first revelation, assembled over the years as new books were produced, carefully translated and tested by the experts of the time. We then have the Book of Mormon and other documents with no evidence to support the claims, and some evidence clearly proves that they have been forgeries, i.e., the Book of Abraham. New World Translation, clearly a document altered from the original, not based on any new translation or evidence, altered to conform with their teachings. If these were submitted to a court of law, only the Bible would hold up as credible, only the Bible would be admitted, all others would be rejected. So this raises a question. If you have to choose from three documents which one you're going to trust your immortal soul to and where you will spend eternity, which one 
would you pick? Thank you for listening. Oh, Dennis, thank you so much. We really appreciate the insight uh, in today's teaching. We've got more to come. Uh, probably the, the main one to come here is it asks a simple question. It asks the question of you and it asks the question of me, and that is, it's a question about Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus? That's what it's all about. Well, we want to thank you for coming in and listening to us today. We want to thank you for what you're doing. We want you to do a call in, 951-573-2332. 951-573-2332. And the whole idea behind this is let's talk. We want to give you a voice so that you can be heard. Thanks again, and keep looking up. <laughs>